Welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Aaron Austin, and here's a bit about Aaron. Aaron Austin is a consultant and lawyer who combines her 25 plus years of practicing law, including roles as COO and general counsel at IP driven companies to help the founders of expertise based firms build and protect saleable assets so that their business is ready to sell when the founder is ready to exit. Aaron's special talent is finding the Rembrandt in the attic, the hidden, that hidden or overlooked asset that can be leveraged for maximum value. Y'all, she is a woman on the mission. And today we are going to discuss Wealth in the hands of women can change the world. Who run the world? <laughs> hey, Erin. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. This is going to be so much fun. I can tell already. <laughs> so, Erin, we know that money makes the world go round, but having generational wealth is more important than just having money. Because when you have money and you don't know the relationship with money, it comes and it goes. So whenever you think about your area of specialization, why do you focus on wealth in the hands of women can change the world? And then before you get into that, Tell us a little bit more about who Erin is, because a bio is just a bio. Anyone can put together a bio and read a bio. Sure. Well, I'll start with a little bit of my background. So as you mentioned, uh, I am a lawyer and consultant, and I have been doing this for a really long time. It's a little shocking to me when I think about it. But um, yeah, I, I've been blessed with having a really interesting career working in a variety of industries, but the commonality among all of them have been, uh, you know, their primary um, business was something in the IP field, whether it was film or research or data or publishing. And so over the years, I have developed this expertise in working with commercial transactions that involve intellectual property. And so, you know, I spent a career, you know, working with very large businesses and helping big businesses get bigger. And I came to a point in my life, I'm like, okay, you know, what else can I do? You know, I have the, the, the causes that I support either with my donations or with my time. And like, how can I do more by using, you know, my, my legal uh, expertise to help kind of businesses that are doing things that make more, that do, that support the, the issues that I also support. And I really struggled with it. I didn't know how to use my big company expertise to work with kind of a broader range of businesses. And, uh, and then, but I have been, you know, kind of working with a number of people and having a lot of conversations. And it finally kind of dawned on me that I could really help those service-based business, those expertise-based businesses, especially those that are owned and, and founded by women to develop businesses that are wealth building. You know, a lot of us, myself included, who start their expertise-based business, we get a nice income from it. We get a nice cash flow from it. But are we actually building businesses? Are we actually um, uh, 
you may actually be, you know, not creating assets that would help us to have a business that could be sold someday. So if I'm thinking about these things and understanding that this is a weakness in the work that I'm doing, other founders are probably having the same issues. And so I've been having a lot of conversations with female founders of those businesses and discover like, yes, I never once thought about assets. And so that is why I've, you know, uh, focused on this particular area to help people understand the actual assets in their business. Even if you're service-based, you still have the assets in your business. And I like that you found that because it was like a gap and you zeroed in on that gap and you said, hey, this is a gap that needs to be closed because there are so many assets. But if people don't realize what those assets are, then they're very well going to be liabilities. So you were ahead of the curve and you said, you know what, this is an area that I really need to zone in and focus on. And I like that you were also transparent and said that you struggled with it. Um, trying to take what you had with big corporations and these big moguls of companies and then trying to, you know, diversify and spread it across because just because you go from a big business, you could definitely take what you learn and multiply it in smaller businesses, mid-sized businesses, and et cetera. So whenever you were going through your struggle and your pain points, did you hire a coach or what helped you figure it out? Yes, I did hire a business coach. You know, so many of us, you know, we think we're pretty smart. We can figure it out. You read the blogs, you're on, you know, but it was ultimately hiring a business coach that really made the difference. And it's amazing, you know, I mean, they spend all day, every day looking at people's businesses and, and thinking about these issues. And it's amazing the um, excellent feedback that you can get. It, it's, um, you know, it's an investment, right? Like, just like any other type of education, um, working with someone who, um, you know, has the expertise to help you kind of take that leap forward and give you clarity. You know, I, like one of the things that was in particularly helpful for me is, you know, as a lawyer, I kept thinking about kind of legal, you know, in, in kind of legal language, right? And so I started first talking about intellectual capital and people were like, huh, you know, and I wasn't getting any, you know, like there was like no feedback from that, you know, it was just like, I don't even know what that is. And so I'm like, okay, let me leave the intellectual capital conversation alone. And then I started talking about intellectual property and still people are like, well, I don't have any software. I don't have any courses, so I don't have any intellectual property. So that still wasn't the right vocabulary for what I wanted to talk to people about. And so I, so now I just talk about assets and everybody gets assets and everyone wants to have assets and they understand that the value is in owning, not just doing. And so owning means assets. And so that is where I've had the most engagement. People really understand, uh, yes, I need to build assets. I need to own something and not just provide services selling my time. So let's break it down based on your, your language. And then we're going to get into the other part, which is the wealth and the generational wealth. Um, so whenever you say intellectual capital, then you say intellectual property, then you break it down to assets. Tell the audience, what is the difference between intellectual capital and intellectual property? 
And then everyone knows assets, like you said, because I definitely, since you brought it up, I definitely want to make sure we can educate somebody, we can inspire them and motivate them because sometimes we don't know what we don't know, but that's why learning is key. Great. Well, I'm going to start with intellectual property because that is the narrowest bucket. So intellectual property is literally kind of the legal um, protection that is provided to us through you know, federal state laws. So those are the things that are protectable by the statutory structure. So that would be your copyrights, trademarks, patents, and trade secrets. And so only those four buckets of rights are intellectual property. So intellectual capital is, includes intellectual property, but it also includes those things that you can't register for protection. So that would include things like, you know, if you have a community, that is a very valuable asset, but you don't register it anywhere, but it is super, you know, if you have an online community, an email list, you know, things like that, extremely valuable, but you don't register it anywhere, right? Let's say you, your positioning, you know, that fact that everyone, you are the go-to person for, you know, graphic design for, you know, tailors, like that is super valuable, but you don't register your positioning anywhere. So let's say you have, um, you know, great, like if you're in the food business and you have, you know, these great relationships with your suppliers, you get the best, you know, mushrooms from whatever, and you have this, um, you have, you know, this great uh, shelf space in your local market, like your suppliers and your distributors, you don't register them, they're not intellectual property, but think about how valuable they are to your business so that your relationships are part of intellectual capital. Ah, so, yeah. this so this makes sense. Okay, okay. keep going. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of the way uh, you know, which is really important, which is why I wanted to talk about it. But there, it's the the line between what intellectual capital is and what the value is to an expertise driven business was like is a little bit of a long one, which is why like I couldn't get people's attention if I just start talking there. Wait, so, why don't you start a course on that? Because it makes sense when you say it that way. And if you mm-hmm. if you just break it down the way that you broke it down here on mm-hmm. GEMS, it makes clear sense because think about all the people who have had to pivot due to the pandemic and go from brick and mortar to virtual and build mm-hmm. out their business that way. Mm-hmm. They have intellectual capital that is driven by their intellectual property and all of that is part of their assets. Yeah. Well, that's why I use the term assets because I think I like to use intellectual capital and assets interchangeably. And so when when, when we talk about what assets are in your business, I am including those things like your online community or your relationships or your, your positioning. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, yeah, so I'd rather kind of educate on, yes, you have assets, um, you know, intellectual capital, I mean, you know, for me as a lawyer, you know, I love it, but I don't know that any, anyone else really does. <laughs> so that's, why, that's why I like talking about assets. We all, you know, we all want assets. Okay, nice. And thank you for explaining it because when you explained it from a lawyer's perspective, it definitely made sense. And the way you broke it down, it was so easy to be like, oh, I see where she's going. And so it's like, hey, you hear me knocking? Let me in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
Now, when we think about wealth in the hands of women can change the world, what was your mindset behind that? Yeah, you know, there, there came a time in recent American history where it became very clear to me the outsized influence that wealth has on our democracy, and I'm using quotes there. And like, yes, pr presumably, you know, each of us has an equal vote, but we know that um, there are uh, factors that help, um, that go with, you know, there's certain power, access, influence that comes with having wealth. And, uh, and so for me, like, okay, how do I get what more wealth in the hands of people who support kind of the ideal ideals about this country that I also support? And so that is when my quest for kind of working with smaller, you know, more diverse group of uh, clients started. And it really for women, I mean, I'm looking at the research and it shows, you know, women, they give more. They share more with their families, with their communities, with their churches, they volunteer more. I mean, even if they make less, they contribute more than men do. And so to me, like, okay, I can give money, which I do, and support causes, which I do. But if I can help more women be in a position to do that, then that multiplies the, the impact of what I'm doing. And so that's why it's super important to me to help women kind of build wealth. You know, they are, they will, you know, it impacts the next generation when they have wealth as well and elevates, you know, their, their families, their communities. And so that is why it's become like really kind of part of my mission. And I love that because I've been that woman who, you know, didn't make, you know, a lot of money when I was in corporate America until I spoke out after the whole Black Lives Matter movement thing. Then, bam, I got a $20,000 salary increase last year. Then they raised my classification level from a 15 to a 22, as if you didn't know that you were already underpaying me in comparison to my non-melanated colleagues as yeah. if you didn't know that I was the only chocolate drop on my team working in <laughs> trade regulations and compliance compliance yeah. and it's like a slap in the face but I was like why do you have to wait until somebody speaks up in order to give them what is already theirs and what they've worked so hard for especially if they're already representing your company and etc and then you think about um, the diversity, the equity, the inclusion. Plus, let's not forget about equality because people always want to talk about equity, but they don't want to talk mm -hmm. about equality. And you see the, the gender gap. You also see the wage gap. And women are paid significantly lower than males, but you still want women to be mothers to their children. You want them to go to the corporation, meet all your KPIs. Then you want them to go above and beyond. You want them to do all these things, volunteer, bake sales, all of this stuff. But then you're not putting some respect on their check, which I talked about that in a solo like that episode. Respect. That's great. I like that. <laughs> and, 
it is just ridiculous. And now we're, we're facing right now. Well, not facing. Well, no, yes, we are facing. I'll, I take that back, y'all. We are facing the great resignation right now because you see a lot of people are fed up with corporations and organizations. And they feel like, you know what, if I could work for for you and I could bust my butt, then I could take the same amount of time and energy and do it for myself. And women, you know, they do want flexibility. They don't want to take a vacation day to go take their son or daughter to the doctor. That's not a vacation, y'all. A vacation (laughs) is actually when I unplug and unwind and do what I want to do. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So how can we help these women who are still stuck in these nine to five jobs because they need to provide for their family and give them, you know, the blueprint and the the tools that they need to actually rise up and start something of their own so they could see their generational wealth without running into glass ceilings. Because it's hard when you leave a nine to five and you go into the entrepreneurship because things hit different, y'all. Your bank account is not going to hit every two weeks, every one week like you're getting paid. You got to hustle, 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 hustle hard. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. Well, I mean, so many of us, myself included, when I left corporate and my first client was my former employer, right? And, and so it is a great place to start to develop your own expertise-based business. Almost all of us have developed some sort of expertise at, when we're in-house at corporate. And I, I don't discourage people from starting out that way, like starting out, selling your time, back to your back to your old employer while you're continuing to build your business and uh, getting that flexibility you want is a great way to start and it's kind of helps you hopefully kind of have some sort of stable um, revenue stream while you're thinking bigger picture and longer term um, so you know it, you know I, I don't I don't you know tell people not to do that I think it's a good very good idea um, but to be also be thinking longer term when we start talking about building these assets, building like as you continue to work for yourself and there'll be some commonalities among your clients, there'll be some commonalities among their, um, the problems that they're having. And when we start thinking about those things, we'll start seeing niches develop. Like, okay, I see that I really get the best results when I work with this type of client. And so maybe I focus on that. I see that I'm most effective when I'm helping them solve this type of problem. And you start to focus on that. And so part of what I work with with my clients, and I will say that they're mostly mature businesses. They're not startups. I don't really work with startups, but they will have that bank of knowledge of having, okay, this is the type of client that I work the best with, and these are the solutions, and these are the insights. You know, when you've worked in a certain industry for a long time, you've developed certain insights about uh, the industry. And these are all things that can be used to develop, you know, a Rembrandt, so to speak, like something that is really valuable, that sets you apart, that helps you with your positioning, and and may in fact help you develop intellectual property as well, such as a course or a book or something like that. And, uh, and so, you know, having that experience as a solopreneur, or however you do it, um, helps you uh, develop into that business that has kind of assets. So that's, it's hard to start there. I'm not going to lie. It's, not, it's hard to start there, 
but but that is what the value of putting in you know the hours and learning the business and figuring out who you best serve and how you best serve them so Aaron, if I'm hearing you accurately, you definitely have to do your due diligence, get clarity on who your avatar is, like who is that client that you want to work with and why can, why do you want to work with them and how can you best serve that client based on your levels of experience, your expertise and et cetera. And then you said, let your client be that corporation that you used to work with. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, starting out, uh, I mean, when you're starting out, make sure you get some business, get some revenue stream, get some stability underneath you and start to like figure out what works best for you. It's, you know, there, there certainly will be those exceptions where you come out knowing exactly what you want to do, exactly who you want to do it for. And with the security of either the savings or a spouse or whatever, to be able to um, just kind of work on your niche and not take anything, you know, that comes along. If you're not that lucky, then absolutely, you know, work, get that revenue stream growing, but always be thinking about developing those assets, figuring out, you know, who that ideal client is, figuring out what that signature solution that you may have would be. So just make sure you're not just thinking about selling your time, but how can I use what I'm learning to create some assets? Beautiful, because y'all, you don't want to always sell your time forever. Right. You want right. your money to work for you. You want to have those smart investments and you want to see that multiplication. And I feel like just going into something new, yes, it's going to be hard, but whenever you put in the work, hard work surely pays off. And then if you're doing something and it's not um, yielding you the return that you want, tap into a SME, a subject matter expert that has already been where you are and has made it out of where you are and ask that person, whether it's a coach, a mentor, or whatever the case may be to help guide you along. Yes, you may have to pay them some money because not everyone is going to give you something for free, but then ask yourself, okay, if I invest over here with them, what is my ROI going to be? And that's return on investment. So just always be mindful and thinking ahead, because if you stay ahead of the curve, you're not going to get left behind. And, you know, this is something that, you know, I'm working at as a visionary life coach. And as someone who spent 15 years in corporate America, I had to invest in my own coach because there are certain things that I want to achieve. And I don't want to keep failing, failing, failing. I want to, you know, go further with somebody else versus me going doing it alone. So that's one thing I wanted to interject there. And Aaron, as we begin to wind down, are you ready for a wild card game? Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be fun. No pressure. It's going to be learning a bit more about Aaron Austin. So you ready? I'm ready. Hey. Comedy or drama, movie-wise? Uh, comedy. Two, favorite comedian? Uh, Red Fox. I'm aging myself. There we go. <laughs> Red Fox. Okay. Three, who do, pe do people ever tell you you look like a celebrity? Oh, gosh. Um, a long time ago when my hair was straight, but not recently now. <laughs> Who was that celebrity? I, it was, I don't remember her name anymore, but I, cause I didn't really particularly care for the comparison, but she was on one of these cop shows. 
Um, I think it, I can't remember the name of it because I don't really watch TV. Um, and she's actually British, but she used American accent when she was on the show. This is like 10 years ago, I want to say. I can't, I can't remember her name. Okay. Yeah. No worries. Uh, yeah. Favorite, <laughs> favorite color? Uh, green. Green. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what time? Nature. Green. Nature. <laughs> nature green? <laughs> yes. Yes. Hi. <laughs> favorite food? Oh, sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh. Um, to uh, read people's minds. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I would regret it immediately, um, but uh, I would like to be able to mess with people. <laughs> Seven, dream car. Oh, that, that's interesting. Um, a dream car. I don't think I have one. Um, I, I, I kind of like the Mercedes SUVs that are kind of boxy. I don't know what they're called, but they're kind the of- The G-Wagons? Is that what it is? I couldn't even tell you. Is it is it squared or uh, red yeah, kind of. Yes, yes. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, the G-Wagons. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like those. Eight <laughs> hey, favorite vacation spot. Uh, I like cities. I love London. I like Paris. I like uh, Montreal. I'm a city vacation person. Ooh, put her mm-hmm. in the city, y'all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nine. If you had a choice to just do anything all day long without anyone interrupting you, what would it be? Write novels write novels do yes. you have a book do you have books or books out well I you know I'm one of these people that starts books but doesn't finish them so one of these days I'm going to finish one but um yeah once it gets hard at the beginning is always easy it's the, it's the once you hit the slog of writing that kind of drips me up but yes that, that's the goal you know what you should start doing Aaron you should just Focus on a book that you started writing and then put your end goal next to when you want to be completed with that book. And then every day, this helps me. So it's my one, one method or my one cube method. You could write one page a day. You could write one paragraph a day, or you could write one chapter a day, but do what is most attainable to you based on your current schedule. So a paragraph, mm-hmm. a page, or a chapter a day. Nice. nice. One cube, y'all. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> and then 10. Bonus question. This is where you could ask me anything you want to know about me. Ah, well, I'd like to know if you could do anything all day uninterrupted, what it would be. Oh man, probably watch movies, y'all. Like I love movies. And I guess the insider uh, tip or inside scoop was before I decided to go to college, I actually went to acting school here in Houston. Um, It was called the Neil Hamill Agency. And I got selected for IMTA LA, which is the International Model and Talent Agency. But once my parents, y'all, who are non-Americans, 
found out that it was five grand, my dad's like, oh no. And like, I, like now that my dad passed, because he passed last year, every time like I tell the story, I think about it because my dad's like, if they want you that bad, they will pay five, five grand. But me and your mama, no, we're not paying that. <laughs> your father was a smart man. <laughs> but it does not surprise me one bit that uh, you wanted to be in a, uh entertainment really? <laughs> and you are <laughs> yes <laughs> and y'all my mom made me go to school after that so I started off being a psychology major then two years into the program my older brothers y'all wisdom you should listen when somebody older is telling you so but I learned now he's like you're not going to make any money being a psychology major unless you get a master's or a PhD so you should just do something else so then I switched my major to supply chain and logistics and y'all I was stuck in oil well not stuck I fell into oil and gas and stayed there for 12 years the money was good but then you deal with politics you deal with systemic racism and etc especially when you're a chocolate drop like me working in a good old boys club where it's ran by Caucasian males you definitely have to work twice as hard not just to be seen but to be heard but yeah, if I could have my wish of the day, I wish upon a genie to do nothing all day, watch movies, y'all, movies, and eat all the snacks I want without getting fat, y'all. Yeah, well, there you go. I did not realize that was an option, but I would, yes. I think that's a little magical, but I think I, I like that. Erin, I want you to close us out with once again telling the listeners and viewers who you are, how they could connect with you, and leave them with one or two gems. Great. Well, uh, I am Erin Austin, and I hang out on LinkedIn, and you can see me at Erin Austin. I've been on there so long. I am the Erin Austin on LinkedIn, and uh, and then my website is thinkbeyondip.com. And if you go there, you can uh, get a freebie that I have, which is called, Is There a Rembrandt in Your Attic? And it's a worksheet that helps you kind of think about the assets that you may already have in your business. I gave you a couple of examples during the course, such as community and relationships and positioning. And uh, so go there to check that out. And um, a couple of tips. I mean, this is kind of really boring, but coming from a lawyer, you got to expect this. Make sure you use contracts. They don't have to be complicated, just simple, simple stuff to make sure that it's super clear who owns what, what the expectations are, how to deal with any issues. And believe me, it makes life easier, not harder. So please use your contracts. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS with Genesis Amariska. You just heard Erin Austin, y'all. Plug in with her and go head on over to her website so you can get that freebie. So you could definitely use those tips in your business because I want you to invest now before you're paying for it later on down the line. And remember, you are a masterpiece. You were created for a purpose. You are not in a box. So do not let anybody place you in a box because you weren't born in or out of a box. And until we chat next time, peace love, and lots of blessings. Go out, y'all, and carpe diem. Seize the day.